season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas native and former Texas 12 outfielder. We've got 2023 Arkansas signee. we got Kendall George on the JKR Podcast for the Texas 12 Baseball Series powered by Mind Baseball. Kendall, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, so like I said, pumped to get you on the show. Uh, but before we dig into the baseball side of things, I've got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Kendall George? Um, Just a dude that loves baseball. Um, I, love, I love the game. I uh, love hanging out with my family. And, um, you know, real chill guy. Okay. There we go. So let's kind of dig into the Texas 12 and your travel baseball career um, to start it off. Obviously, this is how we're getting connected, you know, through Coach Knox, through Coach Bennett. So take us through how you got connected with the Texas 12 um, and how, how your entire travel baseball career has been so far. Um, I got connected with 12 uh, through my brother. Um, I have an older brother uh, that also played for 12 when he was older. Um, and really, that, that was how I began my journey with 12 because I would go watch him play and, and you know it was a great organization at the time a little bit smaller at the time but was moving in the right direction so I joined 12 when I was 13 I believe and ever since then that's who I've been with okay so did you play travel baseball before or for the most part beforehand were you kind of you know just just playing locally uh it was a little bit of a mix. Uh, I was on like other teams that were smaller and it was more so focused on me like developing, but, oh yeah. but um, yeah, I really started when I was like 13, 14. I really got into like the travel scene. Okay. So, you know, playing for coach Knox, playing for coach Bennett, I know Bennett kind of focuses on the 2025 class, but just in case you had some sort of relationship with him, what is that relationship you have, you know, with coach Bennett, coach Knox, who was your guys' head coach there at the 2023 level, um, what are those relationships you have with them and maybe some of the other guys on the Texas 12 coaching staff? 
Uh, I have a great relationship with Coach Knox. Uh, I've known him for uh, about five years now. And uh, he's a great guy. Um, love being around him. Great coach. And uh, he's not afraid to be real with you, you know. Um, he's just always been uh, real up front. Always came with good advice. And um, just a great guy all around. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking back into your travel baseball career, what would be some of those just favorite memories that come to mind? You know, whether that's, you know, going to that Team USA event you guys did, uh, you know, maybe going, doing something, doing some dumb stuff with some teammates, go doing something on the field. If you're looking back at just a couple of memories that come to mind when you're thinking about travel baseball, what would those memories be? Uh, play for Team USA is definitely at the top. Um, it's just an experience that um, doesn't come around very often. And uh, it was an unbelievable experience uh, playing with those guys and playing against other countries and playing for my country. It was it was just something that all kids dream of. And it was just you can't even you can't, I can't even put it into words of how amazing the experience was. And um, playing with my 12 guys, uh, I had been with the same guys for about three years, four years. Uh, you know, I have a real good bond with those guys. Uh, they'll be my friends for like the rest of my life. Um, Every moment I spent with them, it was always great uh, since we were winning majority of the time anyway. Of course, of but course. even the field, you know, just love hanging out with those guys and being around them. They're like my best friends. Mm-hmm. So who are some of those guys that you've bonded with most playing for the Texas 12 on that 2023 team? Obviously, you have yourself going to Arkansas to play SEC baseball. You also have Blake Mitchell projected, you know, first, second-round pick here this year. Sam Myers, TCU guy. I mean, I know I'm missing other names, but, I mean, that team was absolutely loaded there in that 2023 class. Um, So what are some of those relationships you have with some of those guys that you've played with for quite a while? Uh, Me and Blake have a good relationship. Uh, I was around him probably the most all summers. Um, Just – Real chill guy, um, easy to talk to, good friend. Uh, Jaquay Stewart's another one. Uh, he's a real, he's the quite opposite, you know, kind of loud, kind of wild, but, you know, that's my boy for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam Myers, uh, I love him, love him dead. You know, it's a lockdown down there in the outfield, but those are just a couple guys. I mean, I really was uh, good friends with all of them, so, you know, it's kind of hard to choose who. Mm-hmm. would really get a spotlight too yeah so with I mean with that team being absolutely loaded with so many power five commits including yourself was there maybe some competition like so just some internal competition going on with you and some of your teammates and then even beyond that um did you guys you know pick your guys pick each other's brains a little bit you know obviously because you guys go all about the game of baseball and maybe your own separate ways oh uh, yeah we definitely all tried to learn from each other and uh pick up on tendencies from each other and it was always a uh, competition or who could be the best but at the end of the day we were still teammates and still love each other but we were always pushing each other to be the best that we could mm-hmm. so when you are playing for the texas 12 obviously you know you're going to you know that team usa event um there in Cary. you're going to the wwba uh lake point hoover all of these different you know travel baseball facilities out of all the travel baseball facilities you got to play with play at in your career which one would be your favorite uh definitely the usa complex and carry uh, those fields are like big league, like the grass, the dirt. It's always nice. It's okay. It's just a great field. Yeah, and you got to be you got to go to Cary quite often, I believe, here this past summer. You know, going with the Texas Twelve for that 
uh, 16 team tournament, you know, going there for PDP and then, you know, being a part of that team USA experience as well. So starting out, let's start off with the experience with the 12, then we'll dig into the PDP team USA stuff like that. Uh, but what was that, that, what was that experience like at that tournament, you know, going up facing some of the 16 best travel baseball teams in the country. I believe you guys won, if I'm not wrong, yeah. Uh, but take us through what that experience was and maybe what the competition level was, the day-to-day. What did that look like? Uh, the competition there was great. Uh, it's every game you're facing a great arm, facing a great team. Uh, it's really a grind every single day, every single at-bat. And um, the year before, we had came short. Um, we had ended up taking two L's back-to-back to not make it into bracket. And then this year, we came out with a chip on our shoulder and decided that we really wanted to go out there and that was determined we really wanted to win. And, um, you know, and we actually did it flawlessly. Um, it was our first tournament of the year, um, and we were all just real locked in, you know, playing behind each other real well. So for the second time you got to be there in Cary, or, you know, the second experience was for that PDP. So take us through what that PDP experience was like. I mean, obviously, I mean, that's like the tryout process to Team USA. So maybe what your team was looking like, what the day-to-day looked like there as well. What was that PDP experience? Uh, PDP was very, like, pro-style training. Um, It was a great event. Yeah, I'd say it was my second favorite event of the summer. Um just being around those top 100 guys and competing every day and learning from these former big leaguers. It was just a great experience. And it was just baseball, baseball, baseball all day. And it was just kind of felt like um, a trial to um, early pro ball. Uh, And it was just something that I would love to do for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. And it was really just the eye-opening experience so get into, you know, with those coaches that they had there at that PDP for Team USA, I believe there was guys what, like Tory Hunter, all, all, of the, all those different, you know, former Major League players, you know, they're kind of instructing you guys. So when you're around guys like that who have, you know, such great MLB experience, what are some different ways that you're picking their brain just to evolve your game a little bit more? Uh, you know, just asking a ton of questions um, and really listening when they're speaking because, um, you know, these guys, they played the game at the highest level for a long time. And it's really just good to go out there, even if you're not physically doing something, but it, you could just pick their brains, asking them questions, um, you know, just anything. Um, they have a great perspective on the game, and it's just a blessing to be around them. Mm-hmm. So PDP comes to an end. You know, you go to Team USA Trials, and then you were part of Team USA, correct? Yes. Okay, so take us through, you know, that whole process. You know, PDP comes to an end. How long is it until you find out you're going to be invited back, go to Team USA Trials? Take us through that experience a little bit, what that was looking like, and then, you know, leading up to Team USA when you guys won that Gold Cup. Um, So PDP, it was in mid-July, I believe, and Trials wasn't until September. So – it was a bit of a break in between and um, you found out, uh, I think two or three weeks after we were done with PDP. Um, I wasn't really nervous to find out cause I had a great week there. And um, uh, after that, I went to PG, um, PG national uh, wasn't my favorite event, but you know, we got through it. 
Um, I learned a lot that week. And um, then after that, we went out to trials. So. Okay. So you go down to trials, which I believe that's not in Cary anymore, right? You guys go down to Florida and do that? Yeah. So yeah. what was that experience like? You know, who maybe who was on your team, some guys that you bonded with there? And what was that like, you know, facing some of the other guys who were on that USA team trials? Um, just some of the best, the best in the country. What was that like? Um, it was definitely a little different than PDP. Uh, I feel like the the stakes were higher and um felt like things were getting a little bit more serious. Uh it was also just another great event. Uh RJ Hamilton is one of my best friends too. Uh he was also there. Spent a lot of time with him there. Uh Christian Rodriguez, uh even Max Clark, he's a cool kid, uh just as well. Um, you know, really all those guys playing with them. We got real close, um, especially after we had um, got through with trials and fast forwarding into the super rounds of when we were playing. Uh, I think it was two to one. Bases loaded against Japan, and we had to win this game to go to the gold medal game. And we actually got lucky, and it started pouring down rain for like two hours and they canceled the game and then we got back to the hotel and um we had a team meeting no coaches just straight players all in one room and it was probably the moment that saved us from losing that game um that was probably the moment where I felt closest to those guys and we were just really connecting on another level and then the next morning we went out there Christian Rodriguez went out there one, two, three. And then after that, the rest is history. There we go. So that team meeting, players only, obviously, I mean, a lot of you want to keep a lot of that stuff in-house amongst you guys. But when you are having that team meeting, you know, somewhat similar to the Jason Hayward thing that happened to the Cubs, you know, back in 2016, if you're familiar with that story. But, you know, that the rain delay happens or the, the, the game gets canceled, postponed, whatever, and you guys have that player-only meeting. Who's taking the reins there? Who's that motivational speaker there in that locker room for that Team USA event, uh, Team USA meeting? Uh, it was Dylan Cup at the time. Um, he was kind of like the heart of the team. Um, and he was kind of the voice of the team. So, you know, he arranged the meeting and, you know, the rest is really history. I mean, I'm not going to say too much about the meeting, but it was definitely the turning point. Okay, there we go. So, you know, you guys go, you guys go to the the Gold Cup game. Take us through, through your eyes, what that what that game was like. You know, maybe the final three outs, where were you at? Maybe you know when you guys you know when the dog pile happens. Take us through that a little bit through your eyes. Um, the gold medal game. Uh, it was a game I never had in a million years, but I thought of it would be playing in, and um, I was just grateful to be there. Um, I got the starting center field that game. Um, I went two for three that game with a double. Um, and before that last out, you know it was. It was a crazy moment, you know. We had we had guys crying after the after the last out. It was just a moment that I've never really felt before, and it was just uh, I, it was unforgettable. Mm -hmm. So you said in between, you know, going from PDP to the Team USA Trials, PG National was another event that you attended. 
So you said it wasn't your favorite, but take us through what that day-to-day was and some of the things that you liked or maybe even some things that maybe weren't your favorite when it came to that event. Uh, It wasn't my favorite just because it was my worst performance of the summer. Uh, It's probably the lowest point of the summer. I think I went 0 for 4, 0 for 5 with three or four strikeouts. Uh, And that was probably the worst I've ever done in my life. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it was definitely something to learn, learn from. And um, really just taught myself to really keep a short-term memory and not get too high or too low, you know, because um, uh, baseball is a game of failure. And, um, you know, you'll have good days and bad days. It's normal in baseball. So it was really a, a, a good learning trip for me and uh, really just brought me back down to earth. So going through that PDP, the Team USA trial experience, the PG National, when you're consistently facing, you know, like you said, the top 100 prospects in your 2023 class, going through this past summer or even, you know, maybe a summer before, who has been the toughest at bat that you have had? Toughest pitcher or maybe if you want to select a few, you can. But who would be those toughest APs that you've had? Hmm. Adam Hatchman was pretty tough. Um, 97, 98 from the left side. Uh, it was just, I mean, I'd seen 97, 98, but it was it was a little different that time. I couldn't really see it. <laughs> it was a little hard to see. And um, lefty on lefty, that's always real hard. Um, and he actually has pretty decent off speed as well. So, it's kind of like a com- com- combination of, uh, do I want to stay in the box? Are you going to hit me? <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, the hard throw on lefties were always a little bit of a more more of a challenge. But, you know, at the end of the day, you still got to compete. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of years down the road, you're facing Adam again. You know, whether that's – I don't know. Where's Adam going to school at? I've heard the name. I just don't know where he's committed. Oh, Arkansas as well. Oh, shoot. Okay, so you guys would probably be facing each other in live ABs. So this upcoming fall, let's say you guys both head to Fayetteville. You guys are doing some live ABs in the fall World Series that Arkansas does. What's your guys' – what's your approach heading into that at bat? Don't miss the fastball. (laughs) There we go. Um, So another really cool thing that you got to take part of, which I said, I don't think I've interviewed – well, I've interviewed people who have been a part of the Breakthrough Series – but they came on the podcast before the breakthrough series went on. So I've never really talked to anyone about that whole, you know, event and kind of what that was about. So take us through what that MLB breakthrough series was, what the event was about, and maybe what that day-to-day looked like. Uh, breakthrough series is uh, one of my favorite events of the year. Um, it's a real instructional event uh, event where you um, learn from some minority former big leaguers and, um, it's really um, more so, uh, how do I put it? You're not doing like a lot of playing. Um, it's a lot of instruction, a lot of learning, and a lot of mentoring. Um, we have a guest speaker every day come in. Uh, we had, uh, it was a big guy for the front, from the front office of the MLB. He's a general manager for the USA team that's about to play in March. There, well, uh, he came up and spoke to us and um, it's really just taking in a lot of information there and not much baseball being played, but you're still learning a lot. Mm-hmm. 
So going through all these different experiences this past summer, and then even some of the other experiences you've taken part of, and then maybe your before your junior, before your sophomore year, what do you think has been like the most valuable when it comes to all these different events that you've been a part of? Uh, I feel like PDP might have been the most valuable. Um, I feel like I learned a lot there. Um, I feel like I got to see what professional baseball looks like for a week straight. And it was really eye-opening to me because it was an experience that I had never had before. And I really didn't know how things would go until then. And I feel like that prepares you for the future better than really anything else is getting like a free trial of something, you know? So it was really um, a, a, one of my favorite experiences from travel ball and one of the most beneficial experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So for the MLB breakthrough series, one last question on that, that actually took the, there was actually a game, a part of that, correct? That was played. Yeah. At, what was it? It was played in Atlanta, right? Uh, that's for the Hank Aaron, but it's they're, they're similar. Okay. So for the breakthrough series, where was that game played at when you guys were pl actually playing up against each other? Uh, it was in Vero beach, Florida. Okay. So at the can... Jackie Robinson complex. Okay. So Jackie Robinson complex, is that a minor league field? I take it. Uh, I think it's just like a complex that they made strictly for like breakthrough series. Okay. Okay. See, I was the, the whole time I was kind of thinking of that Hank Aaron event where they played at in Atlanta. And I was going to ask, you know, what that was like, you know, playing it at, at the Braves ballpark, but no, okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, but no, let's, let's kind of go ahead. Let's move into high school baseball here a little bit. Um, so take it, obviously you're playing high school baseball in Texas, one of the best high school baseball states. I mean, that's pretty unbiased. If you look at, you know, Cali, Texas, Florida, you guys are probably the top three states when it comes to high school competition. So take us through here, these past couple of seasons playing down there in Texas, and then maybe what the outlook is this upcoming spring for your senior season. Uh, Texas baseball, I feel like it's the best high school baseball that you'll get, especially from the public school st standpoint. Um, you know, for me this year, it's really about, it's more about the team than me. Um, we missed out on the playoffs last year and I feel like it's my role to really guide my team to success this year. Um, I'm the veteran on the team. So, you know, some of the guys really look up to me and um, um, really expect a lot out of me. So I feel like this year it's more so me leading the guys and mentoring the guys than me going out there and performing. Because um, I'll perform regardless. So I feel like the biggest part for me is just going out there and mentoring my guys. Mm -hmm. So with you being a senior this spring, how have you taken, you know, maybe the reins of that locker room to become maybe that leader to take some of the underclassmen underneath your wing? How have you transitioned from, you know, maybe that underclassman there two years ago or so to your junior year last year to now being that senior leader in that locker room? Well, how have you kind of taken the reins there? Uh, it's definitely a harder role for me because I'm more of a silent kind of guy. I don't like, I don't like to talk too much, but you know, I've, I've, I'm easing my way into it and um, really just trying to educate the guys about the game and really just, you know, spread the knowledge that I've learned from all these other pro guys and just try to help them out as much as I can. Mm -hmm. So I know down there in Texas from talking to guys in the past, 
when you're playing Texas high school baseball, you guys have a class period that's pretty much dedicated to your sport, to whether that's, you know, maybe go do a quick workout in the weight room, maybe take a round of BP, whatever it happens to be. What does that average school day look like on a game day here? So like, let's say this upcoming spring, what does that average school day look like when it comes to that class period? All right. So uh, we have baseball class fifth period. And um, usually in the class on a game day, we might, you know, do some stretching, warm up, throw a little bit. And then after that, um, we just get some cage work. And then seventh period comes around. We come back to the field at about 3.15, Um, about four hours before the game. And um, we'll hit BP at around 4 o'clock. And then the other team will come. They'll hit BP on the field. And then we do IO. And then they'll do IO. We do the national anthem. And then we'll play at seven. There we go. Um, so talking about that Texas competition level, like you said, I mean, you believe it is the best high school competition out there. I mean, if you're not – so, I mean – it's probably if that's an unbiased truth. I mean, like I said, I mean California, Texas, Florida, but uh, with, with with where you're at in Texas, humble Texas, what does that region look like when it comes to the competition level? Like, how often are you facing another Power Five commit, another Power Five signee? How often does that happen? And like, how, like, what are some of those pitchers looking like when you're facing Texas high school competition? Um, it's usually every year we'll have a couple guys that are really good. Some pretty good um, prospects. Uh, we've been on the lower end this year and last year, but a couple years before me, we had Mason went up here who was now in double A and he was, he was, we would play him twice a year. They're our rival school at Kingwood. So, you know, that was always be fun. Um, but um, really now we don't really have too many. Um, we have a couple D one guys here and there, but no, really power five guys. I think I'm the only one in the district. So we're on a lower end this year, but it's usually some really good competition. Uh, we'll still play some really well-rounded teams in district and in um, tournament season, but not so much big arms. So in Texas, how does that tournament season work? I know you said that you guys just missed out on the tournament last year. That's your guys' goals going into this year. But in Texas, like, how does that work in terms of how many teams are making that state tournament? And, like, how does that all unravel into the state championship? Okay, well, in Texas, uh, it's a little bit different. Because uh, tournament season for us is, like, before um, – it actually is before district play. So we play – tournaments before we play our region like we'll play three or four tournaments where we play teams from outside of our district or teams from Dallas or Austin we'll play about six games in like three days get a lot of reps and stuff like that and then the back end of our season is district where we'll play the people that um we need to be to make to make it to the playoffs and then we have six rounds in the playoffs. And I think after round five, it's state semifinals and then state championship. And actually this year, every single round other than the state championship 
is best of three. Okay. So. All right. So let's dig into the recruiting process here a little bit. So, you know, committed to Arkansas. Um, let's just dig into how that recruiting process kind of got started for you. So when was it that, you know, maybe Division One team started reaching out to you and started uh, gaining interest within your baseball career? Uh, it was a sophomore year. It was my sophomore year of high school. Um, it was a COVID year or coming off the COVID year, I guess you could say. Um, so really no schools could come out and watch us play. So what we do is um, we would play at our um, – We'll play at our at our complex up up here in Katy, Texas, and uh, we kind of like inner squad, and, and we'd have teams watching us on live stream, and that's what we did for a little while, and it worked out real well since we have a lot of great guys that play for twelve, so it was always you'll see you're seeing quality players every game, so that's what really got me noticed and got me my first D one offer, which was Wichita state. And then after that, um, when some, some tournaments uh, could actually be played, uh, I had a great sophomore summer. Uh, we went to like Oklahoma, played in the PG tournament there. Uh, some down here at premier. And I just had an overall good summer there. And um, that's when I started getting traction from like bigger schools. Yeah. So Wichita State, you know, makes that first offer. Were they the first school that got in contact with you? And then at that point in your career, I mean, you're a sophomore in high school. So, I mean, you're still somewhat young at that point. So kind of what's going through your mind as you're having some of these initial conversations with, you know, the Wichita State, some of those other, you know, pretty good mid-major schools, like what's going through your mind and what did some of those conversations look like? Um, At that time, you know, it just felt good. It felt good to realized that people do notice uh, the hard work that I put in. And um, and it only motivated me to get better every day. Um, and at that point, I felt like the sky was the limit. So I really just kept pushing and going harder and better offers came. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I got here okay. today. All right. So, you know, you go through you go through that um, sophomore was it sophomore summer, you said, where it kind of like started reaching out. You go the PG, the PG tournament in Oklahoma, some of those other tournaments in Texas and across the country. And some of those, you know, SEC power five schools start reaching out when those schools were recruiting you. Did they have, you know, maybe a different strategy when it came to some of the mid majors or for the most part did power five and mid major schools kind of have somewhat of the same, you know, recruiting tactics in a way? Uh, I feel like their taxes are um, pretty similar. Um, the Power Five schools, you know, they kind of know that they can get guys or get the top prospects, so they might not budge as much. But for the most part, it's pretty similar, and um, the talks are pretty similar as well. So when those power five schools started reaching out, so I obviously I know Arkansas is one, but then some of those other schools that were talking to you as well. Um, what were some of those key things that you were looking for? You know, when you were comparing, you know, the coaching staff, the university, just the campus in general, what were some of those key things you were looking at when deciding it within the school? Um, you know, some of the key things that I was looking for was one, the conference. Um and um, the location also mattered. Um, 
the track record for outfielders mattered a lot. Um, the coaching staff, their facilities, um, the college outside of baseball, those were all really big factors for me. Um, and I feel like the factors that really stood out for Arkansas was they have a great track record with our, um, outfielders and um, their facilities are top notch, like probably the best in college baseball. And they also have probably the best fan base in college baseball. And um, it's a real quiet area, not too much going on. Um, and that was just things that just really stood out for me and my family. Mm -hmm. I was at I was at Baumarker Stadium last spring for a game. They were playing some. It was like a, it was like one of the first weeks of the year. They were playing some mid major school, and I mean I was there. I mean I was in this. I'm I'm a student at Indiana, but I was there in Fayetteville just for the weekend. Somehow I got in the student section. And I was like, holy crap! Like this is this is crazy. The way that some like I mean the the student section was absolutely full. I mean the student section at Arkansas was probably had more people in attendance than what like here at IU at Indiana that we have in general in our entire stadium. Like I'm looking around, like, I'm like, Holy crap, this is crazy. Um, I'm hearing some of the, like the chance they're screaming at the, at the left fielder on the other team. I'm like, man, I feel bad <laughs> to be that guy, but no, I mean, it is crazy. And then I also heard, heard that they spent like, what was it like 25, $30 million on that new training facility out in right field. Like, I no, I mean, you, you hit that right on the dot when it came to, you know, best facilities, best fans. Um, I was really impressed and I, it makes me, you know, want to go to an SEC school to, uh, be a baseball fan, but uh, no. So you choose Arkansas, but what were some of those other schools that potentially, you know, finish, you know, right underneath them, maybe a close second, maybe a close third. Um, was there, was there that, or for the most part, did Arkansas kind of stand on its own when it came to that final decision-making process? Um, There were two other schools that I was heavily considering as well. Um, UT and Oklahoma state were the other two schools. And um. UT because it's closer to home. Also another great, um, also another great school, great city. Um, and also another school that has great tracker with outfielders and great facilities as well. Um, I went up there my freshman year for a camp, I think. And they're just now starting on like their new facilities and stuff. And now that they're all done, it's real nice up there as well. Um, I like their coaching staff too, but Arkansas had just the little edge over them. Um, Oklahoma State, um, I like them too, but I feel like the kind of players that they put in the outfield are nothing like me, and I feel like the fit just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So you're going through that decision-making process. You're deciding between, you know, maybe they those three schools, maybe some other schools that were in the mix as well. Do you remember that day where it hits you? Okay, I'm going to Arkansas. That's where I'm going to play my college baseball. Yeah. Um, that day, I think it was maybe three or four days after they offered me. Um, I had a bunch of schools calling me, um, telling, them that, telling me that they wanted to offer me this and that. But I really had already had my mind made up and – you know, it was kind of like a, kind of like a big relief. Um, you know, that process, you know, it's, you enjoy it, but it's also a little bit stressful. So it was real nice to really find out where I was going to end up the next four years.
Yeah. So you were committed, what was that, your sophomore year of high school? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you ended up being committed there for, you know, a little over two years. How did that feel here this past November? I believe it was like November 9th to November 10th on National Signing Day. What did that feel like, you know, just to finally sign those papers, make it official? What was that like uh, to be a non-commit anymore, but an actual like a signee of the University of Arkansas? Uh, it felt great. It felt like um, I'm really a part of the school now and I'm not just a commit. Um, I feel like it's kind of set in stone now. So now I'm just ready to have my senior season and see where this goes and potentially end up out there in Arkansas next year. Yep. So let's let's say you end up, you know, actually you go to Fayetteville. Have you met, made any thought or like, have you had any thoughts in terms of, you know, what you might study while you're there in Fayetteville? Or for the most part, have you kind of been focused on baseball uh, for the most part? Uh, I've been focused on baseball for the most part. Um, I'm really undecided on what I would want to study right now, but I mean, I get to it when I have to. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about relationships. So, I mean, Arkansas, you know, they're, they're consistently bringing in, you know, a top three recruiting class from across the country. I mean, you talk about Adam there, who was probably your toughest guy you've ever faced. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other guys you played with, you know, at the PDP, with the PG National, stuff like that. But what are some of the relationships you have with other Arkansas guys? So guys who are signed in your class, maybe guys who are committed in the 24 class, or even guys who are there now. What are some of those relationships you have? Um, I have a good relationship with Aiden Miller. Um, I played with him a lot over the courses of the past two summers. Um, I even got a chance to play with him on Team USA this um, fall. And uh, he's probably one of my um, better friends in the recruiting class for sure. Uh, Nazan Zatello, uh, he's also another player that I'm really good friends with from that recruiting class. Um, some of the guys I don't really know too well, but, you know, it's because I've never really seen them. But, you know, those two guys have a pretty good relationship with outside of baseball and with baseball. So as we talk about relationships, let's move on to the coaching side of things. So obviously you had a great relationship with the coaches to commit to Arkansas, but how has that, um, how has that relationship evolved here these past couple of seasons, you know, being a commit now being officially signed, how has that relationship evolved? Uh, I definitely feel like um, you get more attention after you sign and um, it's really more real. Um, you know, they hit you up all the time, you know, asking if you need anything, um, ask you to send video, you know, just just trying to help out in any way that they can before they can get their hands on us um, when we graduate and get down there. Mm -hmm. So another type of recruiting process that you kind of had to go through in a way is that advisor selection process, advisor recruiting process. Um, so with you being an MLB draft prospect for the 2023 MLB draft, you have an advisor, but take us through, you know, what that was like, you know, when advisors started reaching out and what that whole process was about. Um, the advisor process started, I'd say, when I made the underclass area code games. Um, that was probably the big, the first big event that I had made. And that's when I was getting a lot more traction from scouts and from advisors. Um, and how, I were, how me and my family really went about that was just trying to find the right fit. Um, not really trying to find someone that was trying to sell us on their 
brand or their company and more so just finding someone that is here to really just help me make the right decisions. So when advisors were reaching out to you, what was their main way of contact? Would they come up to you maybe in person when you're at a travel baseball event where they, you know, texting you? I know some advisors even, you know, do like Twitter, Instagram, direct message as well. Um, so like, what was the main way that some of these guys were reaching out to you for that first time? Um, the first time it was usually in person, uh, maybe after a game, uh, they would come up to me and either my mom or dad introduce themselves, um, tell us a little bit about their company and what they do. Um, maybe even tell us who they represent. Um, but at the end, they'll usually just give us a business business card and say that um, they want to set up a time to go out and eat, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm. So when you were going through that process, and you know, maybe deciding between the, the last couple people or just your final couple, um, what were some of those key things that you were deciding between or just some of those key factors that you had when deciding on who your draft advisor would be? Um, some of the key factors was me for me was um really um smaller group um people like because you know some some agencies are really big they'll represent one one guy will represent 10 guys you know you're not really getting the attention that you need um from your advisor because they're also focusing on nine other guys um i went for a more medium-sized um advising company um you know joe was um real he came different than any other advisor came uh, he had a presentation um he really was focused on the betterment of me as a player more so than trying to sell his company to us about who they've represented in the past and what kind of money they've gotten this guy and that guy it was more so really centered on here's our plan for you these next couple of years to get to where you want to be Mm-hmm. And that really stood out because that was the first person that really took the time to set up a set up a plan that wasn't even certain. Um, I mean, he got me even like these full blown notebooks and nothing was even certain at the time. So, you know, just the, just the little things really stood out to us. And I feel like we made the right decision. And that was kind of the next question I had for you. So let's say, you know, you do schedule that, you know, that in-house meeting or that maybe that lunch uh, meeting with you, with you, your family, the advisor, um, are they showing you presentations there at those types of meetings? Or for the most part, is it like genuine conversation where he's kind of just talking, you guys are asking him questions. He's asking you guys questions. What does that kind of look like when you actually, you know, do schedule that like lunch meeting with an advisor? Um, It varies from person to person. Um, like I said, some will try to sell them, sell them, sell themselves to you. And then the others will actually, you know, try to get to know you a little bit better. Um, I feel like the bigger, the bigger the, um, agency, the more they're likely to sell themselves to you or try to, try to really, um, get you by showing you the big glamorous contracts that they've made with these great athletes. And um, that just wasn't really for me, I guess. Um, 
I feel like I needed something a little bit smaller, but someone that would focus on me and really help me as much as possible through this process. Mm -hmm. So you're going through that process right now. Um, you know, we're, we're still, you know, we're still leading up into your spring season, your spring senior season, but at this point, you know, what, like, what, where are you at in that MLB draft process? Like, are there teams like scouts, you know, reaching out to you, maybe talking to you with some meetings or where exactly are you, is that point, you know, in January, still seven months away from the MLB draft? Um, so this fall, um, I met with 28 of the 30 clubs, um, um, at my house here. So um, I got that all knocked out before the season. So now it's really just I sent them out my schedule. I mean, I'll text them when BP is, and that's really it now. Um, I took care of all the communication that I needed to take care of before my season so I could just focus on playing ball now. Mm -hmm. So have you been able to build some relationships with some, let's say some area scouts down there in Texas for teams? Like, are you building relationships with some of these guys or for the most part, is it still kind of seen that as like a business relationship? Um, some of these guys I've known for quite a few years now. Um, some of them have seen me kind of grow as a player from maybe when I was even at the urban youth Academy, when I was like 13, 14 years old to now. So, um, you know, some of the guys I have a pretty good relationship with even outside of baseball. And then some of the guys, you know, it's just business. But, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, just taking the experience for what it is. Mm -hmm. So you're going through BP, you know, maybe before a game, those scouts are watching you or even some of these all these other events you've been at where there's just a ton of scouts. How do you kind of keep your mind on straight and kind of keep that tunnel vision of just playing your game instead of kind of focusing on, you know, oh, shoot, there's there's 80 scouts here watching me today. How do you kind of keep that straight mindset? Um, Really just act like they're not there. Um, You know, just do what I usually do, do what I do in the cages, you know, doing what I do, doing what I know works for me. And um, usually – when um, scouts are around, um, people tend to get big and want to do something or be someone that they're not. You know, usually I just try to stay to um, be myself. Um, you know, that's why they're watching me in the first place because they like who I am. So might as well just keep being myself and, you know, things could should turn out good. All right. So moving into my last couple of baseball questions. So you are listed as an outfielder. You're one of the few people I've interviewed where it's just like only one position is kind of labeled. I mean, I interview, you know, so many people where it's like, you know, second base, shortstop, third base. But with you playing the outfield, where do you kind of see yourself, you know, as you make it to that next level, whether that's pro ball, whether that's collegiate baseball, do you see yourself sticking in center field or do you think you're more of a corner guy? Uh, I'm definitely a center fielder. Um you may not know it, but I am the fastest player in our class, class of 2023. Uh, I run a 6160, fastest six I've ever ran, the 608. And um, so, I mean, I feel like my talents would be wasted if I was put in a corner. Um, but I definitely will be sticking in center field. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's a, that's a fair assumption when you're running a 6160. Uh, I guess that was one thing that I missed when I was doing the little – 
you know, beforehand of research on the, for the interview, uh, but no, that, that, that's, that's a crazy number, but uh, no. So digging into when you're actually in the batter's box, take us through maybe what that hitting approach is. Obviously I'm assuming you're the leadoff hitter for probably your oh, yeah. the Texas 12 and your high school team. Um, so take us through that approach. Maybe you're, you're watching the pitcher before the inning gets rolling. Um, you, you know, you're walking up to the batter's box, kind of what's going through your mind and just, what is your approach as you're walking up to the batter's box? Um, for me, uh, I'm a real big line drive kind of guy, um, standing between the gaps, uh, not trying to do too much and really just let my best tool work, which is my speed. So usually what I'm doing is, um, just trying to stay simple. Um, and I really just spray the ball up the middle and keep it on the left side. So that's really my approach when I'm hitting and, you know, I'm always looking to hit the fastball, you know, that's the best way to be consistent. It's just not miss the fastball. So, you know, that's really what I'm looking for when I'm hitting. Okay. So you, you call yourself a line drive hitter. So kind of dig through the mechanics there, you know, all the way from, you know, your, uh, your load up all the way through the follow through. What do those mechanics kind of look like? And can you try to take us through, you know, maybe how you developed them that way? Um, my approach came from a long time ago, um, from my hitting instructor, um, Daryl Nicholas. Uh, I've been working with him for over 10 years now. And, um, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's really stemmed from him and it's kind of been instilled in me to really use my best tool. Cause I've always been a fast guy. I've always been the fastest guy on the field. So from a young age, it was always, you know, if you're going to miss anywhere, miss on top of the ball because um, I can use my speed to beat it out. So I feel like that's really where it stemmed from because I have a real flat bat path and I'm never really trying to launch anything. Um, yeah, and that's really where I get my approach from. And it's never really changed because it's worked all my life, so. So I take it when your your approach is kind of already like that, your two strike approach is probably really similar, and you're not you know having a big adjustment when it comes to that. But what is your two strike approach? Is it kind of the same as what you've kind of mentioned here these past couple of minutes, or is there a little bit of an approach change when it comes to two strikes? Uh, with two strikes, it's just really doing anything you can to not strike out. Um, I take away my stride when when I have two strikes and uh, widen out a little bit. But other than that, that's pretty much it. You know, my approach is pretty simple as it is. So it gets the job done. Yeah. So let's say you're a scout watching your game. You're one of these scouts that's coming in for an in-home meeting. He's watching you play a baseball game here this spring. What is your personal scouting report? If you were a scout that you would write up on Kendall George? Um, elite runner. Elite defender, average arm, um, spark plug, um, great leadoff hitter, good base runner, and big energy guy. Okay. So you kind of dig into the things that you are, but let's kind of dig into the things that maybe you aren't or maybe some of the things you're wanting to develop. What are some of those biggest things in your game that you're wanting to develop here these next, you know, couple months leading into the draft, leading into potentially your fall there at Fayetteville as a freshman? What are some of those biggest things in your game you're wanting to develop? 
Um, really just overall strength is my biggest weakness to my game. Um, it's something I hit hard, real hard this offseason. And um, I feel like if I get stronger overall, then that's really the weakest part of my game. So I think it'll really put me over a lot of players. And um, also my arm strength, I have a pretty average arm. But other than that, I feel like I'm pretty good in all categories. Yeah. So let's dig into my it's my final baseball question I got. Then we'll go ahead and end it off with I call them rapid fire. It's more of like the personal side of things. I end off with every baseball with every guy again on the podcast. So final question. Obviously, you're going to you know these PDPs, the Team USA um, breakthrough series, playing with uh, Coach Knox there for the Texas 12, playing in Texas high school baseball. Out of everyone who who has been in, in your baseball career so far, who are the, who are those? two to three most influential people that have been in your baseball career and what would be the reasonings for them being so influential? Um, number one, I would definitely probably go with my um, hitting instructor. Um, I feel like a lot of the IQ part of the game I get from him and just the mental side of the game. Um, I've learned I've learned so much from him that I feel like when I go to him now, it's kind of just like BP at this point, but um, he's taught me so much from, from a young age. And I feel like I was ahead of the curve um, from a young age because of him. Um, and second on that list, uh, probably, uh, probably coach Knox. Um, he's been my coach for a while now. Um, I've learned a lot of good things from him as well on the field and off the field. Um, he's just been a big help overall with the recruiting plot process and all that since he's had experience being a college coach as well. Um, number three on that list is probably my brother. Um, my brother also played D1 baseball at Lamar University. Um, and seeing him all the time you know he's always real he's always real honest with me um he's never one to to try to make me feel good he's just trying to make me the best player that I can be at the end of the day and um I feel like he pushes me to be the best player that I can be and um there's no one really out there like my brother so yeah all right so digging into my last couple go ahead go ahead what were you saying no, I was just going to say, I would say those are the three people that have impacted my baseball a lot. Okay. All right. So digging into my final couple questions here, like I said, I like to dig into the personal side of things to end it off, you know, dig away from the baseball field. Um, so, you know, when you aren't playing baseball, what are some of those things called, I'll, I'll call them passions, I guess, in a way, what are some of those passions that you have beyond the game of baseball that just help you get your mind off of things? Um, I play video games quite often. Um, usually on my off time when I'm not lifting or playing baseball. Um, just another thing I can compete in and um, also have fun while doing it. So that's a big thing for me too. I mean, also I feel like it's made me better at baseball. Um, so I feel like that's one thing that I do quite often outside the game of baseball. Um, you know, I love being around my family as well. Um, real close-knit family. Uh, just love being around them whenever I'm 
whenever I can and whenever I'm not playing or working out um, and really just hanging out with my friends whenever I get the chance to really just disconnect from the game and feel like a like a normal high school student again. Mm -hmm. So are you a big PlayStation or Xbox guy when it comes to those video games? Oh, PlayStation for sure. PlayStation, okay. There we go. My man. Uh, no, but digging in. So when you're looking at your phone, I mean, obviously you've met so many people within your career so far, you know, whether that's, you know, as you know, as a business relationship or even just, you know, a casual relationship. If you're digging through your phone, digging through your contacts, who is the coolest contact that you have in your phone right now? Oh, coolest contact. Hey, it's a great question. I would have to look. I mean, I have some pretty cool people in there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm um, sure. I mean, I'm sure if you're going to, you know, the Team USA's event or the, you know, breakthrough series when you're listening to all those different major league ball players, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot to, you know, choose from more than the average person. But um, if you want to think about it, we can kind of move on, and maybe, you know, maybe that's the final question. Uh, you you can answer that to end it off. But um, digging into motivations a little bit. So what is it internally? That kind of just helps you, you know, get out of bed, go win the day, go get better, continuously evolve as a ball player and as a person. What are some of those internal motivations that you have? Um, what really motivates me is knowing that um I haven't achieved all the goals that I want to achieve. I feel like that really motivates me to get up and go get it every day because I feel like I haven't really earned anything yet. Um you know, my final goal, of course, is to be a major league baseball player. And um, I'm not there yet. So every day when I wake up, you know, I always think about what can I do to get better, to make that goal a little bit closer. What can I do to be 1% better today? Mm -hmm. So that's really what drives me to wake up and keep going every day, even if it's not a great day, you know. So that's what really motivates me to be better yep so taking that question a little bit further what does that perfect picture of your life look like 20 years down the road so let's say what you're 37 38 years old what does that perfect picture look like everything's going right what would that be um 37 years old um hopefully uh 10 year mlb vet at that time retired um, with a wife, maybe a couple kids, you know, and living, living financially free. Okay. And you're going to be living in Texas or, you, or do you want to move somewhere else when it comes time to settle down? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I've been a lot of places and there's not many places like Texas. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, so my last question here, it's a question I ask everybody that gets on the podcast, you know, whether you're a power five commit signee like yourself, or you're actually playing collegiate or pro baseball. That is, um, if you had one dream brand to endorse, obviously name, image, and likeness is a huge thing right now. You'll get that opportunity. You know, once you graduate, head to, uh, head to Fayetteville. But if you could pick one dream brand that you'd love to endorse, collaborate, partner with whatever it happens to be, what would that dream brand be? Uh, probably Lululemon. All right. There, that's, that is my most answered. That is the biggest answer I get for that question. 
hands down. It's like five percent of the people I ask says Lululemon. And it's crazy. It's all you Arkansas and Texas people too. It's weird. Like <laughs> I ask Midwest people and they're like in Nike or Under Armour or something or Rawlings. And then all you Arkansas and Texas people are like Lululemon. I'm like, okay, that's not what I was expecting, but yeah, they make great clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's what, that's what I hear. I, I, I mean, I always talk about how I have to go to a Lululemon store, you know, maybe buy some stuff that, you know, just see what everyone's talking about. Uh, but no, that's the final question I have for you here on the JKR podcast. Unless you thought of your coolest contact, we can kind of dig in that real quick. But um, uh, I have some former big leaguers. Um, uh, actually, my mom might be my coolest contact. <laughs> <laughs> Safe answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, man, uh, that's that's all the questions I have for you here on the J-Care podcast. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm doing this, you know, six-week series of highlighting Texas 12 ball players, coaches. And I'm really pumped to get just to get to know you guys, get to know the organization as well. Um, so just thanks for coming on the show. Do want to wish you the best of luck when it comes to, you know, your senior spring as you go through this MLB draft pos- uh, prospect process. And then eventually, you know, head to Fayetteville or, you know, continue on with your pro baseball career. Just best of luck with that. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be following your career here from now on. Uh, but I no, just really appreciate you coming on the JKR podcast, man. Thank you for having me.